Good morning, friends. Welcome to Wake Up in the Word. Thanks for joining me this morning. Grab a Bible, good cup of coffee, or a cup of juice. It doesn't matter. Let's get into the Word of God and see what it has to say for us today. Uh, listen, we're in John chapter 12, which of course immediately follows John chapter 11, where we watch the great miracle. Jesus standing before the tomb of Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, and calling the dead man, his own dead friend, back to life. Well, in verse number one, we kind of spring right off of that. What do you imagine the talk of the town was in Bethany in those days? Well, it says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now, let me do the setting before we go to the next verse. Because here's one of those great instances where everyone has to be just enjoying fellowship, smiling from ear to ear. Maybe one of the few cases in the scripture where someone at the table with Jesus was getting more interview questions than Jesus himself. That's Lazarus. What would you have been doing at that dinner? Would you have been right over next to Lazarus saying, man, what was it like? What was it like? to be dead for four days. Where did you go? <laughs> did, did Lazarus share his near-death experience? No, it wasn't a near-death. It was a I-died experience. <laughs> did people ask him about that? Did they say, what was it like when Jesus called you? Did you hear him uh, call your name? I mean, don't you imagine some of the questions were so intense as they just wanted to know what had happened to their dear friend Lazarus? Uh, as he had fallen sick, fallen ill, and died, and now was back healthy, alive, and sitting at the dinner table with Jesus. Oh my goodness, that would have been a monumental experience. Wouldn't you love to just, if you had a time machine, go back and sit at the dinner that night? Well, one, one of those present at the dinner wanted to show her appreciation to Jesus. Now, the Synoptic Gospels cover all of this, but you don't really get the full picture until you get to the Gospel of John to know why Mary was so intent to demonstrate in an act of worship her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what would you do? Your own brother has been raised from the dead. Is there any greater gift than to put your family back together after such a tragedy? Mary has been sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. She obviously follows him as Messiah. Now she demonstrates it publicly in verse number three. It says, Then Mary took a pound of perfume, poor, uh, poor, no, not, not poor, pure. Just try that again. Pure and expensive nard, it says, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This beautiful, beautiful act of worship demonstrating exactly how Mary must have felt after the gift of her brother's life has given, been given back to her family. Well, of course, there's always someone that, regardless of what you do in worship, someone's going to be a little bit peeved at what you do. You know, for many folks, they refuse to demonstrate in any way, any public manner, any kind of affection for Jesus. They're afraid somebody will say something. If they said praise the Lord or amen too much, if they raised a hand or if they clapped, and just to keep people from talking, they do nothing. Friends, I would rather be in Mary's camp 
demonstrate your love for Jesus in some way, shape, or form. And I think that we'll let the chips fall where they may if someone wants to criticize another person for actually worshiping. Well, who's going to criticize Mary for this? Who else? In verse 4, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus' answer is so beautiful and succinct. In the next verse, it says, Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. As we get the commentary on this passage, you can almost imagine what might be said. The Jewish leaders had already decreed that Jesus must die. They've already said he's public enemy number one. So rather than go to Jerusalem, what does he do? He stays with his friends at Bethany, in whose warm fellowship he found refuge from the mounting tension. M.O. Owens writes that a dinner in Jesus' honor was held at the home of Simon the leper. We know that from Matthew 26, 6, but it was right there in Bethany. Martha gave her best effort to preparing it, and Lazarus was present. Now, the writer of this fourth gospel, John, John the Apostle, one of Jesus' disciples, he was obviously present there. It said that he seems to hint that there was something unusual about Lazarus' presence. Perhaps he'd been compelled to leave Bethany after his return from death in order to avoid unwelcomed attention. Matter of fact, we'll read later that it wasn't enough for them to wish about the death of Jesus. We got to kill this guy that has been raised from the dead. Why? Because what's Lazarus going to do? Everywhere he goes, he's going to tell the story. He's going to tell how Jesus has raised him. He's going to be giving details of that. He's going to be public enemy number two right after Jesus. Goodness gracious. According to Judas' estimate, though, in verse 5, this ointment with which Mary anointed Jesus represented the earnings of an unskilled laborer for nearly a year. It could easily have been the savings of a lifetime, converted into a small and easily negotiable commodity, which Mary had laid aside, perhaps as a cushion against an emergency. But you know what? At this time, there was nothing greater than demonstrating her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in the next paragraph. Mary's natural timidity was supplanted by the ardor of devotion which her faith kindled. The raising of her brother Lazarus had evoked gratitude which she could not conceal, and the presentation of the alabaster box of ointment was a logical expression of it. Faith blossomed into devotion. And as we read those words, let me ask you a question. What happens to your faith? If you say you have faith, how is it demonstrated? You know, only in the New Testament James, the brother of Jesus, who writes a beautiful epistle in the New Testament, says faith without works is dead. You know, to say you have faith is one thing. In Mary's case, it was the demonstration of her faith that we have as a memorial to her down through the ages, because she perhaps understood and knew several things about Jesus that she was able to grasp some truths that the rest of them couldn't seem to get. It was just going right over their head. Jesus says she understood that it was time for his death. She prepared this as an ointment, something 
uh, you know, to bestow upon him because he's about to die for us? Did Mary, because she was willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teachings, did she understand more than even some of the disciples? It seems like she was in many ways smarter than them all and understood some things about what was going to happen that the rest would not even grasp until perhaps after the resurrection. Well, Mary followed her gift with an act of personal devotion, Owens writes, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And that demonstrated her willingness to serve him with all her heart. Mary's utter consecration to Christ of her possessions and of herself is a pattern for our personal devotion to him. She held back nothing. Friends, that's what I want to encourage you to do. This week, this weekend, the rest of your life, don't hold back on Jesus. You know, sometimes we calculate what we need to hang on to, what we need to save how we need to prepare for the rainy day that's coming, or as many of us are doing right now, prepare for the snowstorm that's coming or the other natural emergency you're facing. But there's something we don't need to hold back on, and that's our devotion and our faith to Jesus. It needs to be out there. It needs to be public. It needs to be seen. People need to know we're one of his followers. Then and only then will you have the open door to the gospel and can share his good news with full vigor and the ability to change lives. Thanks for joining me this morning. Let's be just like Mary. Let's go to the celebration. Let's have a good time, but let's remember who deserves our worship. God bless you. I'll see you again tomorrow in a biblical perspective and every weekday as we wake up in God's word.